Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Gamer Symphony Dreams podcast, where I'll be interviewing innovators in the video game music and video game orchestra community. I'm your host, Michelle Ng. Today, we'll be speaking with Aaron Barker, who is the founder of the Des Moines Gamer Symphony Orchestra located in Des Moines, Iowa. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you very much, Michelle. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background and how did you get involved in the video game music community? Yeah, so I'm from Indianola, Iowa. I'm from the Des Moines metro area. Uh, that is just a few miles south of Des Moines, Iowa. And I've been a gamer and a musician my entire life. I've been playing video games, I think, since I was three. So pretty much my entire life. Uh, and then uh, my mom is a uh, children's choir conductor. So I've been singing in oh, choir wow. my entire life forever. So again, music and games are two things that have just been consistent. Uh, when I was in college, I was in a jazz band, a cappella choir, and then uh, even when I went to grad school, I was part of a concert choir. Uh, I went from Iowa to uh, grad school at the University of Maryland. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but then throughout both, you know, my love of music, my love of video games, they hadn't always really come together yet. Um, yeah. I had been... I have distinct memories of like singing Sonic Adventure uh, themes because I always loved the Sonic Adventure song. So I just remember singing them in the shower a few times. I remember I was like listening to Banjo-Kazooie uh, when I was on one of my dad's like old or very first computers and I was like typing something and listening to Banjo-Kazooie. And then I, I often would play Super Smash Brothers Melee soundtrack the soundtrack yeah. for that and then run back and forth in my parents living room which like shook the whole house and they really hated it but you know but it was it was a lot of fun and I just love that music it just got me so excited uh and then at, while I was at the University of Maryland going to grad school a friend of mine texted me completely out of the blue and said hey do you want to go to the gamer symphony concert and I said what are you talking about and uh yeah that is how I got started on all this <laughs> to the concert and I've been hooked ever since. So that is, uh, that is how this all got rolling. Wow, that's amazing. You know, your story sounds a lot like a lot of us who are involved in the Gamer Symphony Orchestra community, which is like, we grew up playing video games, but we're also musicians. And then we like, it's like, yep. maybe we could put the two together. And then, <laughs> and then like this thing just happened. So yeah, that sounds like so much fun. Um, so after Maryland, um, you started uh, the Des Moines Gamer Symphony Orchestra. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to start the Des Moines Gamer Symphony Orchestra? And tell us more about how did you get it off the ground? Like what kind of research and talking to people was involved in that? Yeah, uh, so I realized I should probably say a little bit about my involvement in Maryland. I was a part of the University of Maryland Gamer Symphony Orchestra, which you founded. Uh, I was a part of that for two years. And uh, that was fantastic, loved it. We performed at the Smithsonian. It was, I was a yeah. part of that, fantastic. It was just so great. And then I also participated in the Washington Metropolitan Gamer Symphony Orchestra after that. And that was just fantastic as well. Love, love all them, miss them dearly. Um, but then I moved back to Iowa and uh, Iowa had this severe lack of a Gamer Symphony Orchestra. So that's why I decided to found it. And it took a long time to get started because right at the beginning, about in about 2017, which is about three years ago, I had a conversation with a small group of friends and I said, okay, so I think I want to start this thing. And like you play uh, clarinet and something and you play flute or whatever. And then um, I think what really made me realize that this is a crazy venture in some ways, this is a really <laughs> adventure, is because 
I had about eight people there. And then my friend said, okay, well, how many more people do you need? Like, you know, this is enough for, for a band. And I said, no, no, no. Like I, I need like, <laughs> like 50. <laughs> Cause I want all the instruments. Right. And he's like, wait, what? So it was just fantastic. And at that moment I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. Uh, so then after that, what I did is I identified what I would use the buzzword to say stakeholders in the music community mm -hmm. here at the point. So I went to music professors, um, conductors of community ensembles and then other music related organizations, such as music related nonprofits and uh, even like a, a music um, rehearsal space also. And I just went and talked to them and said, okay, so what's the music space like here in Des Moines? How many ensembles are there? How often do they perform? How much do they cooperate with each other? And that was, that was great. It was, I learned so much about the level of the number of musicians and the types of music, musicians in Des Moines. But then the really pivotal conversation happened when I spoke with Chris Goodson of Plymouth Church. Uh, Plymouth is the church is where I go to church here in Des Moines. And he suggested that I work with the Des Moines Community Orchestra, which was a fantastic idea. But the thing that he said that really stuck with me is, Aaron, just go try it. Just go advertise for it. Just get people. Do it. Yeah. That's the first step. And I'm like, okay, I didn't imagine that being the first step, but I guess that makes sense. And so then I basically just put it on the line and said, okay, all of you people who think this is an interesting idea, email me and I'll aggregate all this stuff and we'll do a concert. And that's really how it happened. The community orchestra here in Des Moines though was absolutely pivotal because we were able to use their space. Uh, their conductor, Carl Johnson, agreed to be our conductor for our first concert, which is great. Then the, the, the kind of things you don't think about like stands, percussion equipment, and then outreach and name recognition also. So we were able to sort of piggyback on that orchestra to do our first concert, which was just absolutely critical. And so I was so glad to do that. And I think that really helped us get off the ground. And then beyond that, I have continued to have involvement with other music organizations and universities here in the Des Moines area, such as the Drake Orchestra, Drake University Choir, uh, Simpson College, which is in my hometown, uh, hopefully at some point I could pursue a relationship with Iowa State. Iowa State is like almost the size of the University of Maryland, so it'd be really great to have them involved at some point too. Yeah, that sounds awesome, Aaron. It sounds like that it helps like if you have a community, like an existing musical community to which to build your Gamer Symphony family, and it's a lot easier to kind of collaborate and partner with these existing organizations. And uh, just a follow-up to that, um, so I know for your orchestra, um, a lot of orchestras do auditions, um, but can you tell us about how you choose the musicians that will play in your orchestra and how that's a little bit um, different? Yeah, so I think that the best answer to that question is that I learned from DC, uh, living in Washington, DC, or in DC metro <laughs> area. Uh, the DC mantra that I learned is that networking is king. Yeah. People said that happy hour is the currency of Washington DC. I'm like, okay, that doesn't really make sense to me. But then when I see it in action, I'm like, oh no, like that is where you meet people. That is where you talk with everybody. And what I realized after that is that your network, the people you know, just like, you know, who is, you know, to put a, a reference as even before either of us, who's in your Rolodex, right? That matters because if you have those contacts established, email addresses, names, so people recognize you, that's absolutely key. And so I basically utilize that in order to find the musicians. So um, the other ensembles, most other ensembles do auditions, as you pointed out, both Gamer Symphony and just community 
ensembles. And so I've networked through those ensembles and said, okay, if you're participating in this one, I'm really going to assume that you may be interested, you have some aptitude, you might have the ability to commit to just a little bit more to participate in our ensemble. And that worked very well. And uh, especially because as we'll, we'll discuss a little bit more later, I have a very short term commitment for this because people yeah. just participate for just a short period of time. I think that's a lot easier to tack on to someone else who's already in another orchestra um, rather than trying to build up and have another you know, 12 uh, rehearsal set. Uh, before you do a concert. And then I also work with music departments and put up flyers at uh, Simpson and Drake and other um, universities. Again, hopefully Iowa State at some point to try to get more people involved that way. And again, I think with that targeting, you really can find people who are excited about it, who have demonstrated aptitude on their instrument and so forth. Yeah, I think that's a really cool, unique way that you're doing kind of basically a screening process without having to like go through it individually yourself. So yeah. it's like somebody who already had auditioned into another group, we can assume that they have a certain aptitude or skill level yeah. and that they're they're like have a certain base level that we feel comfortable with in terms of having an our, our orchestra. And I think it's definitely um, a really good point that you pointed out in terms of like the networking. And uh, you know, they say that networking is not just about getting business cards, but like making friends. And this sounds like, yeah, you know, exactly what you did is just to Kind of take people aside and just have genuine conversations and you know um show that you're excited about creating music together exactly one thing that i've heard from people who during one of our rehearsals one of my greatest moments was i was talking about this and then i stopped myself and said okay i could talk about this too long i'm gonna stop just something about video game music and then one person from the ensemble said, yeah, Aaron, but that's why we are interested in this because you, you're so interested. I'm like, okay, good, I've accomplished it, right? You know, like, uh, so I think if you show people, yeah, this is, this is awesome. Like, we're gonna do this and it's gonna be great. Uh, people tend to believe you, right? Even if they have no idea what it is, which is great. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, I mean, I have experienced the same thing. Like when you like really super enthusiastic about something, people are attracted to that and they want to like create great art with you and they want to like be part of your community, be part of your friend circle. And I think pretty much everyone that I've met in the VGM community, they're all like, they're, they're all like friends, you know, that's part of how they built their network. Um, and then going on about the, your, your particular orchestra, can you tell us, a little bit more about how do you organize and plan uh, rehearsals and concerts? Because you did say that you don't want that long-term commitment, which I think it's a really cool option because, you know, nowadays we're so busy with working, with commuting, and we have other responsibilities. It sometimes is challenging for some of us to be able to feel like we're putting our 100% um, when it comes to having to rehearse for such a long period of time. Um, so can you tell us about how you organize and plan rehearsals and concerts and how do you also choose a repertoire on the sheet music? Yeah, so as you said, I think that it is really important to recognize that people are busy. People have other stuff going on. Um, I know I do. I'm heavily involved in my church and I have a lot of other uh, fun things I do, uh, traveling to friend for, with friends and so on. And so 
that coupled with the fact that when I spoke with and did the research about other ensembles here in Des Moines, there already are a lot of ensembles. And Des Moines, you know, compared to even Washington, D.C., is not that big of a city. And so if there are a lot of ensembles already, then you really don't want to try something that's going to be directly competing with them necessarily, right? Because again, people only have so much time. So the goal is to make a short-term commitment so that someone could join the ensemble, participate, give it their all, and be done. And then if they want that to be the end of their commitment, that's fine. You know, I, I hope they come back and participate again in the future. But it's not something that you sign up for for a year, right? It's something you sign up for for a few weeks. Um, and so that means that we need to have the rehearsals, we need to have the outreach, the performance, and everything be done in really less than a month or just a couple months for outreach and recruitment. But again, everything is very compact. It doesn't happen over the span of a year. It happens over the span of just a few months. And uh, that is a very different model than everyone else, I think, than every other Gamer Symphony Orchestra that's out there, probably than most mm -hmm. orchestras. But it seems to be working so far, and I'm not going to fiddle with it too much if it keeps working. Um, and as far as music, uh, we've entirely performed pieces from VGOScore.com. Uh, and you and I both know Andres Soto. He's yeah. amazing. So major thanks to him for all the work that he's done uh, for music that we picked. I have selected the pieces so far in, in uh, working with the conductors that we've had for both our first and second concert. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about more like, uh, I just had a follow up question, like sure. how do you design or program the concerts and how do you, I guess, interact with the conductor in terms of deciding mm -hmm. what pieces? Well, I pretty much leave the musical, this sounds odd, but I leave kind of the technical musical elements, like how are the key changes? How are the time signature changes? I leave that to the conductor. Like, I don't really want to talk about that at all, necessarily. Mm -hmm. What I'm interested in is, do we have kind of a balance of different types of pieces? Like, do we have fast pieces, slow pieces, kind of melancholy pieces, or, you know, really exciting pieces? And then also, I try to fit the full frame of video game music in general, because we want to have stuff from the 80s, stuff from the 90s, stuff from the 2000s, you know, tough stuff from uh, very recently. And then also try to get different systems, like something from a Sega game, you know, Sonic or whatever, or from classic Nintendo things. And so I try to look at all these. I think that I have varying degrees of success in our first two concerts, and then what I've hopefully already picked for the third concert. Um, so that the pieces do feel distinctly different and shared. Mm -hmm. um, they share certain elements, but they're also diverse uh, within one batch that we're going to perform at a concert. Okay, awesome. Um, can you about, can you go back and talk about um, how many how many rehearsals do you have before oh. a concert, and like how many concerts do you plan for a year? Yeah, well, uh, in the era of coronavirus, <laughs> who knows, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, our idea was three rehearsals for the instrumentalists. I think that that was pretty good, kind of toyed with the notion of having four. But again, we any more rehearsals, you start to lose that short-term commitment um, part or factor that I'm trying to go for. Uh, and then right now, we did two concerts last year. We did one in June and one in November. I think two is pretty good because it can kind of fit at the end of these sort of semester or um, however that looks in the area because again a lot of people are involved in some in the college or school or some fashion and uh, I think that two concerts going forward would be good I would love to do three or four but I mean 
uh, and we'll t- we can talk about this a little more, but given that it's just me doing the most of the organization, uh, I think I can only handle two right now. <laughs> Even if the coronavirus is gone tomorrow, I think I would still only plan like one in the back half of this year. Yeah, great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, I guess, in terms of our Gamer Symphony, for those of you who don't know who are listening, um, in the Gamer Symphony Orchestra community, um, I would say most of us create our own sheet music in-house, which means that members of the orchestra, we use a music notation software and we actually create the orchestral scores ourselves. But you've chosen to use VGO score. Can you tell me about like why you made that decision and how that's worked for you? Uh, I think the sh- short answer for why I made the decision is because it was there. <laughs> uh, I didn't really know who the conductors and arrangers and whatnot are in the Des Moines area. I, I, th- I still think that um, I have a few people who have done some arranging and I hope that they can they can do some for us in the future. Um, but again, all the work that Andres has done on VGO score, I just thought, okay, at this point, we're just going to utilize this and run with it uh, because it's already there. It, he does an excellent job. Um, and I think that we, we could still do a few more concerts just from his material. Um, but I've also subscribed to Muse score, um, which as you may be aware, is a very large music arranging, composing and sharing uh, platform. And I hope that we can take some things from there as well. Uh, again, because all the arrangers are different, it's not going to have a consistent style or um, notation or instrumentation. So we need to fiddle with that a little more. Um, so mm-hmm. I just haven't done that yet. Uh, hopefully we can do that soon for future concerts. But again, I think mostly it's just a matter of convenience for using VGO score. Yeah, definitely. It's like a very time consuming process to create sheet oh, music. And in, in your specific situation, you you decided to start your GSO a little bit different than how other GSOs are run. So it's probably a lot easier for you to just use a resource such as VGO score for that. Mm-hmm. And on that note, um, I just wanted to go to our next question which is that you and I both privi- both spoke previously about um, how you decided to start your orchestra as an LLC. And for those, of, for those of you who don't know, an LLC is a limited liability company. It's a form of business structure in the United States, um, usually for like small, small businesses. And I'd like you to talk a little bit more about why you decided to form it as an LLC. And can you talk about some of the benefits that people may not know about? Yeah. So uh, I know, again, I may just sound like I'm doing what's easy, but uh, that's why I made an LLC because it was easy. Uh, I submitted the whole application to the state and it was approved in about four hours, which was great. Uh, (laughs) Right. Uh, The nonprofit application process often takes like a year. Uh, So the, it was just very straightforward to do it here in Iowa. I think it's pretty simple in every state. Um, compared to a nonprofit. And the reason, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll go to the, the benefits first, and then I'll switch back to the reason why it's easy. Uh, the benefits is that the taxes are way easier, right? I mean, technically the LLC is just a sole proprietorship under my name. So it's just reported on my tax return, uh, which is very straightforward for me. I just list, list, list it on my return and so forth. Um, and then the other thing that makes it easier is that you don't really need a whole bunch of people. Uh, it is again, just me listed on all the documentation. We don't have a board, we don't have any official positions and so forth, Um, which I would like to get to the point of having an official nonprofit for many reasons, 
but just for convenience and for getting us off the ground quickly and LLC seemed like to be the way to go. Uh, the cost of course, is that if you are not a nonprofit, then you do pay taxes. Um, so I listed the amount of donations we received minus the amount of money I spent on everything and we were taxed on the difference. Uh, so uh, also you don't get a tax deduction, which is another thing because some people, um, some people donate just to receive a tax deduction. That seems unlikely given the tax reform law. Sorry, I'm a tax analyst by no, trade. No, no, um, no. No, no, to share, share that because we, we in the orchestra feel need yeah. to learn, no, we need to know that. Yeah, so the, the, the short of it there is with the tax reform bill that happened a couple of years ago, uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, most people will not be deducting, deducting donations on their taxes, charitable donations. Some people still will, and I'm sure that in every, you know, obviously this is not tax advice, um, but again, most people will, uh, regardless of who they are, anywhere in the country, they probably will not be itemizing their deductions. And if you don't itemize, then you can't deduct the charitable de uh, deduction for your own taxes. And that means that Gamer Symphonies and every other nonprofit, whether that be hospitals or, um, it's, um, you know, like uh, youth organizations or whatever, any type of organization is not going to have their members really be able to take that deduction. And so that really is going in the few, as we go forward and people realize that i think that that's going to reduce charitable giving in general um mm -hmm. and so we need to be aware of that so that's again one other reason why i'm not particularly concerned about not having that deduction because again i don't think most people are using it um maybe i could be proved wrong but as far as i know people aren't using it and then the other cost i would say while we're talking about costs of having it be an llc is that uh, I, I said it's convenient to have me be the only person with their name on the documentation, but uh, that is, that's also a cost. That's a big disadvantage because the buck stops with me. If something goes wrong, I'm in, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm the only person who signed anything and who's technically affiliated with the ensemble. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a little scary for me uh, to really know that everything is gonna come down on me. But uh, again, I think that for now that's okay, and I hope that we can form an official nonprofit with more diversified powers in the future. Okay, that's awesome. It sounds like the price that you pay for starting it out as an LLC is like worth it because oh, yeah. you're saying that in the especially in the beginning, there's based on your work in ta in tax, there's not a lot of people that are itemizing and they're not taking those tax deduction anyway. So it's not worth the trouble in the beginning while you're still still starting up to kind of have to go through the formalities of registering a 501c3 a tax exempt organization and having to create a board and everything formal. And you're you're saying that it's much easier just for the purposes of getting up off the ground to just do an LLC and where you kind of run everything. Um, so in terms of that, how much how much taxes do you like actually have to pay for? I mean, it's um, my personal income tax rate, which I probably shouldn't talk about on an interview, but <laughs> oh no, you don't need to share, but um, you've mentioned before that it's, it's really not like that, that much of a difference. Like it's, it's worth it to just do an LLC if someone's starting you, off the ground. Yeah. I mean, un unless well, again, if you're starting your own gamer symphony and somehow mm -hmm. someone donates like $10,000, right. Then you may be concerned, right? Like, Oh, this is all going to be taxable. Right. Uh, but we're just not in that realm. Right. Um, we've covered our expenses for our concerts, but again, just mm -hmm. barely. Uh, so it, it's really not that big of a concern for us. Um, 
again, going forward, if we get like sponsorships and whatnot from local companies, that may be something we need to think about. They're probably more likely to take the charitable deduction and um, there would be more that would be taxable. But again, just for our purposes right now, it's very straightforward. Yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind, if you have an LLC though, is there's no such thing as a donation. You just have income, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you've got money, then then that's your income, right? That mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not you, so you sold something or someone, you know, somebody bought a ticket or they just gave you the money, right? Uh, it's all the same mm -hmm. for an LLC. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think people only need to be really concerned about like donors and tax deduction probably when they get like large donors that yeah. where you know it would be more of a benefit for um yeah. to have a status mm -hmm. so awesome uh can you tell us about any future adventures that you have in mind for the des moines gamer symphony orchestra yeah certainly so i think that our i hope that again we can keep going for a little while on bigger is better i would like a full choir to be added. That would be something that I would absolutely love because I performed in the choir in both the University of Maryland Gamer Symphony and the Washington Metropolitan Gamer Symphony. And there's just so many pieces, uh, whether it's uh, singing um, Baba Yetu in Swahili or uh, the kind of nonsense Latin that you sing in a lot of the dramatic Final Fantasy songs. Uh, I think that it would just be absolutely fantastic to add a choir and that would be uh, great. Also, of course, we need more strings. It seems like every gamer symphony needs more strings. So if you're listening to this and you happen to be in the Des Moines within 200 miles or 300 miles of Des Moines, please let me know because I would love to have you join for our next concert. Um, but again, another thing that I would hope for is to do the Civic Center. So I live in downtown Des Moines, about three blocks or so from, I think it's the largest venue, like the largest concert venue in the state. Maybe I'm not, not sure about that. So don't quote me, but their capacity is 2,744. So that would be my, my target for audience is if we can get 2,744 people, that'd be pretty cool. So, you know, might as well, might as well aim high. Uh, <laughs> and then beyond that, I would like to do recordings. I think that would be a lot of fun. That's a whole nother ball of wax yeah. of licensing and all that other stuff. Um, then in-house arrangements, I would like to do those. We already discussed that. It'd be really cool to do concerts like in conjunction with another group. So like we can partner with a local nonprofit and part of the proceeds go to them or something like that. That'd be really cool because then we feel like we're a part of the community too. Uh, and then one thing that I think is a great opportunity but has many steps is to partner with public schools because a lot of kids know this music they listen to this music, they, they recognize it. And there were a whole bunch of kids who came to our last concert and I looked at them all and I'm like, how did you hear about this? Like, you know, where, you know, <laughs> like, uh, this is great, you know, I'm glad that you like this music. Uh, and it's fantastic. But I think that it would be great if we could work with the local schools and say, okay, now we'll, we'll, we'll train you. We'll have, we want you to be a part of it. Maybe, maybe we could do even like a Des Moines public schools gamer symphony kind of thing. You know, it would just be fantastic to be working with them and get involved with these kids lives and say, Hey, this is a kind of music, which is awesome. And you know it, and we love it and let's share and talk about it and play it together. So that's what I think would be really, really neat in the near future. Yeah. I think a lot of GSOs that I've just been talking to have expressed the same interest. Like they really want to do outreach to the school system. They want to engage kids in video game music just because it's such a part of their lives. And mm -hmm. so I think this 
interest is gonna keep growing. So I think so, yeah. That's very exciting. Um, can you tell me what words of wisdom you have for anyone who wants to start and develop a gamer symphony orchestra? Oh, words of wisdom. I'm not sure how many words of wisdom I have. I have words, you can decide if they're words of wisdom. Uh, but uh, the first thing that I, comes to my mind is build your network. Again, like I talked about before, just know who the other musicians are, know what the ensembles are, be familiar with them, make sure that they know who you are. And then once you've made those connections, keep in touch with them, like email them and say, hey, just wanted to check in and let you know that we're gonna be doing this thing. They're fine with that, they're happy to do it. All right, you know, because they want to be working with other ensembles, especially if they are aware that your ensemble is not like a direct competitor, right? You know, if it's a small commitment, that's not really the kind of regular thing that they do. Um, I think that that's, that's attractive and the people want to be involved there. One other thing I would say is make sure to stick to your goal. Mm -hmm. Because I spoke with one ensemble here in Des Moines and I said, hey, I'm thinking about performing video game music. And their first response was immediately, okay, how about you join our ensemble? And then we can discuss maybe some playing some different music <laughs> down the road. And I said, well, no, <laughs> that's not what I want to do. Uh, and so I understand that because they're looking for members too. And they know that I play trombone and I sing and whatnot. So they were interested in that. But again, if, if what your goal is, is to make a gamer symphony that plays video game music, then stick to that. Um, and then the last thing is just go do it. Chris Goodson, who I mentioned earlier in this from Plymouth Church here, he's right. If you just get started, then pieces will come together, right? It might not all happen in the way you want. Um, and it, there might be things that, you know, a little crises and little fires you have to put out on the day of that you didn't imagine. But just get rolling because once you're rolling and you have some momentum, it's so much easier for other pieces to start falling into place. And then, you know, that goes right along with, you know, we're here in Iowa. And uh, the Field of Dreams was here in Iowa. And Field of Dreams is right too, that if you build it, you will find plenty of video game music enthusiasts. Like they will show up and they will be as excited as you, which is pretty awesome. So uh, yeah. that's what I would recommend too. Yeah, build it, they will come. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean... So last of all, I have to ask you these two questions. Yep. What is your favorite game? And what is your favorite game song or soundtrack? Yeah, uh, so my favorite game, it's funny, I think I kind of have three answers here. My very favorite game is probably Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I've, I'm wearing the Zelda shirt right now. Uh, Zelda poster's up on my wall. Uh, I love that game so much. It's it was so groundbreaking. The music is just fantastic. I can play all those Ocarina songs on the N64 controller by heart. Uh, my favorite song is probably One Winged Angel, though. That one is just Ooh. so inspiring. That was when I saw the recording of One Winged Angel when they uh, had it recorded in Japan. I think it was like in 2005 or 2006. So around the time you were starting the University of Maryland Gamer Symphony, I was like, whoa, it's a whole orchestra performing that. That was so cool. <laughs> Uh, but then my favorite soundtrack, like overall for every single song, I think it's probably Banjo-Kazooie, actually. Like so many of those songs are just so memorable and so great and so quirky. And I just love those songs to death. And uh, again, as I think you may be able to say, I have a Banjo-Kazooie poster over there. I didn't plan that, but I do have it right over there. Uh, so uh, again, I just think that's a fantastic Fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for being part of this interview. And I really appreciate your insights into starting a running 
to starting and running a video game orchestra. Um, so if people are interested in following you or your orchestra, where can they find you? All right. Yeah. So we're on Facebook, uh, obviously, just as every Gamer Symphony should be, I imagine. So we're at uh, DSMGSO. That is our, you can also just search for Des Moines Gamer Symphony Orchestra. Uh, we are also, we have a website, dsmgso.org. Um, we've started that a while ago and have uh, links to various uh, interviews that I've done uh, on our concerts there. So please go check that out. And again, if you are anywhere in our area and are interested in playing, please just email me. You can email me at desmoinesgso at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love for you to join up and get involved right here in Des Moines. All right. Thanks again, Aaron. Yeah, thank you so much, Michelle. Look forward Until to talking. Until next time. <laughs> All right. Bye. Okay, bye.